The biggest thing is you're removing the toxic components of the diet. By removing it, your, your, your body is saying, oh my God, thank you, you got rid of the toxins. See, all diseases are mostly reactions to toxic inflammatory foods, that is it. You, you know, there isn't like you have thyroid disease and adrenal disease and you have arthritis or bowel problems. They're not separate. They're just happen to be in your case, for some reason, you have a genetic environmental predisposition to that damage. But why you, that's the mystery that we don't really know that. But yeah, if everyone and anyone can do this, you reduce inflammation, you improve the blood flow Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. One of the most heartbreaking experiences I've had in my life is wanting to get pregnant and not being able to and trying over and over again, and then being diagnosed with irreversible infertility and premature ovarian failure, early menopause, and being told I wasn't able to. So many women come to me to help them with fertility and questions and advice because of the transformation that my life took when my doctor's bag was empty and I had those diagnoses. And through my journey and what I learned and what I teach and the products that I help create, all the products that I've created have worked together to help me in this journey reverse my own infertility, become naturally pregnant at 41, completely reversing the early menopause. And that is why I like to say that our diagnosis is not our destiny right? Our diagnosis is not our destiny and our prescription is not our description. Now you may be postmenopausal as many of my clients are, as I myself am, but I, you know, someone who is struggling with fertility and this fertility struggle is real and painful. So being supportive and understanding is powerful. And if you are struggling with fertility or desire to maintain your fertility, as long as possible, because ovarian function is a marker of longevity. So you want to do that. You want to listen to this episode. I am interviewing Dr. Kiltz, who is a renowned fertility doctor. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, CNBC, Parents Magazine, the Today Show, and more for reducing the cost of IVF to one third the national average and helping shape the future of reproductive medicine. He is a diplomat of the American Board of OBGYN and fellowship trained in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. So Dr. Kiltz is the founder, director, and practicing physician at CNY Fertility. He has been a faculty member at UCSF Medical School and current clinical faculty member at the University of Syracuse Medical School. He's really a passionate advocate about the ketogenic and carnivore diet for fertility. And we have met each other in these keto communities 
And I really respect what he's doing as well as the um, passion that he's doing it with. This is a work of love for Dr. Kiltz for sure. And we'll put the links to his site and his podcast, which I was blessed to be on as well in the show notes. Let's get started with this conversation. Be right back. Well, welcome Dr. Kiltz to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I'm so glad to have you here. It's an honor. Dr. Kubeka, it's really a pleasure also to be invited to to talk and share ideas on health and wellness and how everyone at any age could be healthier spiritually and physically and so many other ways and relationships. And I'm happy to be here to talk, share ideas. I am thrilled to have you here. And and also because of what you're doing, you're creating a, like you're, you're one of the things that you've been really focused on is creating affordable fertility treatments and accessibility. And I had struggled, my audience knows that I struggled with early infertility at age 39. I was diagnosed after round, after round, after round of some of the highest, uh, highest allow, you know how we are as physicians, the highest injectable doses that we could possibly yeah. do and then diagnosed with early, early menopause. And I'd say post-traumatically, but I'm pretty sure those injections, those fertility injections took a toll on the ovaries as well as my HPA axis. Have you seen that after round after round of like high dose, you know, of injections or IVF, if it created some early menopause? Well, you said the highest doses and I don't recommend the highest doses. I actually recommend natural I, I up. and low doses because I think they're a little uh, lighter and easier on the ovaries. Uh, but I think that the cause of infertility is all related in the fact that there's a lot of inflammation going on in the body that in we've been taught that it requires these high doses of medications. But I, I find that low dose and, and, and even natural cycles do really well. And we don't know the effects. I mean, some people get pregnant with the high doses, but I've always found that if you need the high doses, it's it's not usually the best prognosis. Now, now again, the problem with medicine is we give a prognosis and we think, oh, this isn't good or wow, it should happen. But we really don't know uh, that much because we go in with it like, oh, it doesn't look so good. But we can't see the other side of the possibilities, how a woman in her late 30s, even 40s, even 44, I've had women where they just nothing, there are no eggs, they can't make it. They seem like they're in menopause, but they change their nutrition, they change their mindset. And quite commonly, bingo, it, it happens. Yeah. So that's kind of the beauty that I think, but high dose. That was my drugs, case. That was my case. Naturally reversed it, naturally became pregnant, naturally reversed menopause for another decade. So yeah. yeah. And I've seen so many women that they fail, 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 and then they give up, but then they venture either, they just give up and then, wow, it happens, or they start beginning to look at alternative medicine, complementary, uh, Eastern, whatever you want to call it, but things that we weren't taught in medical school, residency, uh, or even early practice, because we don't see it, because we're so focused on drugs, dissections, uh, and, and, and pills. Right, right. And I want to talk about this because it's the, you know, you've delved into a very, I mean, like you're so advanced in this. This is the, the I really, this is where there's so much alignment is that addressing the inflammation and hormone imbalance. And I want to tell for my audience, because I, 
I prefaced our conversation saying if you're you know trying to get pregnant at any stage, but definitely over 40, or you just want healthy menopause, healthy longevity, that ovarian function is a marker of longevity. And so what you're saying for fertility is the same thing I'm saying for menopause and, you know, is a lot of it. So improving ovarian function. So let's go into the ways that you approach your clients in improving this ovarian, ovarian function. Well, I think first that we have to understand the cause of all disease and ovarian failure, ovarian uh, dysfunction, infertility, um, or and premature menopause, even in the teens and 20s, is all related to some inflammatory processes that we either breathe, drink, eat, um, or just are in our environment that somehow get through our skin because the skin isn't a barrier that prevents things from coming in. Actually, it's a great spot for things to get into us. Right. And I learned over the years that the primary cause was really a standard American diet and lifestyle that goes along with that. Okay, like, so, how did you learn this? Because you weren't taught this in medical school. I wasn't taught this in medical school. How did you learn this? Well, about 20 plus years ago in my medical fertility practice, I began to realize that the things I was doing was weren't working, even in cases where I thought this should work. And I began to look with a friend of mine and an acupuncturist at meditation and massage and acupuncture. And out of the standard practice of medicine, I personally was going through some emotional challenges, depression, uh, where I began to instill the meditation, yoga, acupuncture to my life, personal life. And I began to utilize it in my practice uh, of fertility. I built CNY Fertility and CNY Healing Arts. The Healing Arts is the com- combination of bringing in Eastern medicine to the practice. And we had acupuncturists, massage therapists, yoga specialists that, again, in our same facility, because if you have it there and we share it, they're more likely to utilize it. And if I used it, I needed to use it because I got the improvement to then share it with my clients that they can see it also. And, and we're seeing a lot better success. And a lot of it is because mindset was improved. And when you feel better or something, you're more apt to continue on the journey and the path to improve it. Because if you don't feel good about it, you just want to run away, depressed, you want to stay away. And and in that case, it leads to inactivity, it leads to negativity, and it leads to the incorrect nutrition for the human body. Now, I began to see some of my clients were getting pregnant on the paleo diet. And I was like, well, what is that? And I, because if someone's getting pregnant on something that I need to know about it, I want to know how I can help someone have a baby through non-standard medical ways. And and remember, I'm a standard surgeon, IVF, uh, all the drugs. That's what I focus. And if, if it wasn't proven in a randomized prospective study, I wouldn't believe it. And I tell you, you're wrong. Diet doesn't matter. And belief and happiness, I mean, positivity, that's not going to get you there. But but as I began to incorporate in my life, I felt better. And when I learned about paleo, I read all about it, incorporated it, see people getting benefit. I did it. I had arthritis, psoriasis, kidney stones, migraines, bowel bleeding. I had it all. It got a little bit better. Then I found this thing called keto. And I'm like, well, what is that? And I got better on that. And and then and and we were seeing success on PLU and keto, which are high fat diets, 
uh, lower to no carbohydrates in some cases. And I began to learn about fasting and intermittent fasting and things like that. And then I personally found carnivore and it was meat, steak and steak, meat, meat, salt and water was sort of the focus I did about 12 uh, years ago. And literally in one month, arthritis gone, migraines gone, bowel bleeding gone, everything gone, kidney stones gone. And I felt amazing. And then I began to share that uh, with, with my clients. And I was like, wow, this is quite amazing. Uh, this is, is, is changing their experience. And when I shared it with them, it was changing them, changing me. And I've kind of just dove right into it because if I could find something that's like that will get you a baby or get your menopause better, um, or suddenly you won't be in menopause, my job in life as a physician is to learn everything I can to make it simple for you. And now I'd say I wrote, I, I first wrote a book called The Fertile Spirit, I'm sorry, The Fertile Secret, which is take off of Rhonda Byrne's book, The Secret, uh, which is all about the power of positivity. And uh, from there, I wrote a book on keto and then carnivore. And I, I kind of keep writing these things because I'm just so excited about being able to share something that you might get a baby without me or your menopause will go away without me. You know, that's my job in life. Oh my gosh. I love hearing you say that. So it, very similarly, the thing that I found very helpful, I call it keto green. So that's my approach. And in my recent book, Menu Pause, there's a carnivore plan in it as well. Nose to tail. So when we say there's a right way and a wrong way to do keto, there's a right way and a wrong way to do carnivore. Do you want to elaborate this for women versus men? You know, I'm doing a series now called He Said, She Said. So I'm always asking, okay, men and women are different, right? Mm -hmm. They, We are different. So there's certainly things, you know, what have you found? Well, how different are we? Certainly, we look different and we act differently. Is the physiology really different? Maybe not as much as we think, although... Because women's hormones are cyclic every month and men's hormones aren't quite as cyclical, right? The, the, there's a, there's that, the youth of testosterone over time then wanes years though later. And I believe that we are damaged by our diet. And let's just say men and women are, are damaged very similarly. And, you know, it, it, I had to figure out what fuels us. And I believe that fat is the only fuel for our bodies. Sugar is not. Glucose is not a fuel for the body. It's a precursor to our fuel. And a high plant-based, low-fat diet turns out to damage every nook and cranny of our body, especially the blood vessels. And damaged blood vessels diminished oxygen and nutrient delivery to our most important organs, uh, number one is the brain and the hypothalamus, uh, the thalamus and the hypothalamus and the pituitary, which are critical for LH and FSH pulsatility, the important hormones. The important. Well, let uh, me just explain that to you. Just LH, luteinizing hormone, in and FSH, follicle stimulating hormone. So in the the first start when we start bleeding, FSH is more more dominant because we're stimulating follicles for ovulation that first half of the menstrual cycle, and then the luteal hormone, the luteinizing hormone, that's going to increase for ovulation to, you know, with ovulation to support that corpus luteal like from the corpus luteum. So you want to explain that a little bit so we understand and then it, it goes, our FSH is also a marker. If it's high over 15, we say decrease for 
ovarian reserve, decreased fertility. And then we have some number in the 40s for menopause. Yeah. And, and these aren't always so these numbers in and of themselves aren't always accurate to mean, oh, you're in menopause. Uh, there are other things you have to look at. But the brain makes uh, LH and FSH, which are glycoproteins, which are critical to help your ovaries uh, mature and release an egg. After, before ovulation, you're making estrogen in the ovary in order to prepare the uterine lining for an implantation of an embryo. Ovulation happens, release of the egg, related to a spike in LH and FSH, uh, which these changes that happen release the egg, uh, where the the movement of the egg into the fallopian tube is critical. And the sperm that's supposed to meet the egg in the fallopian tube is encouraged based on estrogen uh, function and a normal fallopian tube with the movement of the cilia to move the egg down and the movement of the, the sperm to find it. And, and uh, interesting enough, there are sugars on the egg like a, and like a on the sperm. Well, they're on the entire sperm and the entire egg. They're the barcodes that say, you're the right sperm and the right egg. Now let's connect. Now let's fertilize. And all the changes that happen, that if you have abnormal LH and FSH, abnormal estrogen and progesterone for the female, you're going to damage all these things that are going to affect fertility. And ultimately, I believe that plant sugars are the leading reason of damage to our body, which damages the gut, the glycobiome of the gut, the vascular glycobiome, the peritoneal glycobiome. And then within the ovary, you have all of the, the primary eggs that are waiting to be developed that are damaged by excessive and frequent exposure to plant sugars. And I say that because you eat a standard diet, which is typically three to six plant-based meals a day, and you're eating lean meat, but you're not eating fat. And as it turns out, that fat, mostly from animals, when you eat it, it suppresses the inflammation in the gut to prevent the inflammation from getting into your bloodstream, circulating throughout your body and getting into the ovaries and damaging them, which damages the eggs. And this, it sounds kind of complicated because we haven't heard this story before very much about the effects of plant glycans in excess and, and how fat reduces inflammation. That's such a critical part. And so for women who typically, what's our standard diet that we grow up with? Yeah, you're going to have oatmeal and, and yogurt and uh, cereals and grains and bagels and muffins. And I'm just thinking doctor's lounge food. <laughs> it really is. And that's our primary meal. But we're also recommended to eat smoothies and shakes and vegetables and fruit in excess, I believe. Using the plant-based nutrition and greens in a keto from time to time and not all the time, keeps your glucose levels lower, allows the healing process to take place and reduces glycation. Glycation is the phrase that, that tells us that the sugars bind to something and damage it. 
the number one glycation product is hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin A1C rises. It tells us you have damage to the red blood cells, which is a marker of diabetes or prediabetes. And so and where does where does sugar come from? It comes from all plants. Which plants does it not come from? All plants it comes from. So that's why it's important that we can consume some sugars. They're not deadly for us in general, but if you eat them all the time and then all the simple sugars, and then you're eating the, the breads, the, the pasta, uh, the pastries, the pizza, you know, those are exposing us to too much sugar and to the antigenic components like gluten, oxalates, phytates, latex. They also just bathe our body. They go to the ovaries. They damage the eggs. They damage the cells that support the egg. So now the cells can't make the granulosa cells and the luteal cells or the supportive cells that make estrogen and progesterone that are critical for the preparation of the uterus and implantation of that embryo. So, you know, that's why I incorporate things like fasting. The, the eating infrequently or less frequently allows the blood sugar to stay lower. And then when you have your spike from a meal, you're going to be able to easily be able to rise your insulin, convert the sugars in the liver to fat in order to build the most important thing we need, which is fat stores, yeah. but not too much. Not too much either, right? There's that, hence the fasting, the time to clean, to rest and digest. And one thing that, you know, bringing up is thinking about the mechanics, right? Like our body is this great organic energy machine, right? And so in our, in our gut lining, the, in the, in the blood vessels, in the gut lining, there's cilia, these little fibrous bands that help with that peristalsis. Right. And same in the in the fallopian tube, there's that peristalsis, that natural peristalsis that has to occur. And when it's weighed down with, you know, glycation, when it's weighed down with sugar, when it's inflamed, it's sticky, stuck and immobile. So you're not going to get that movement, that connection between sperm and egg that, you know, that you'll have constipation or, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, you'll have these things within interruption, the mechanics of our body that's working, supposed to work for us as well. The most important component of our body is the glycocalyx. And most people haven't heard of the glycocalyx. They've heard of the microbiome versus the glycobiome. So yeah, explain the difference. Well, the microbiome is all the microbes that live in your in your gastrointestinal tract, technically, but they could be in other parts of your body also. Now, I believe they're not good for us, and I'll explain why. But the the glycobiome is a sugar environment that coats every cell of your body. It coats your skin, your teeth, your mouth, your esophagus, your gut. It is the Teflon shield, actually that keeps the microbes from getting in your body. And it also helps prevent the latex, the lectins, the oxalates, and the other, the other antigenic components from getting into your body. So think of the bowels as outside the body. And then once they get into the epithelial surface of the bowels, they're now in your body. Uh, there is a sugar layer. That sugar layer is connected to proteins that are actually part of the lipid bilayer of the of the 
of the membranes of the cells. And this is the critical part of our body that people don't know about. And so it's a sugar layer. It's mucopolysaccharides. So my theory is because we eat excessive sugars, we dissolve the lining. Yeah. Like dissolves like. Well, excessive sugars, but also all the inflammatory foods, frankenfoods, all those that, like you said, phthalate, I mean, we glyphosate, I mean, that erodes oh, that oh. protective layer. That's decreasing that. I mean, that's it's breaking down our first line of defense. And then leaky gut. Leaky gut. Mm -hmm. You get gastric ulcers. Um, you develop cancers. Bowel bleeding. GERD is all produced by this. And so... The microbes, mostly yeast and bacteria, which we think they're good, but they love to eat sugar. When they eat sugar, they make alcohol, heat, gas, methane. So are those things good for us? They're not. Now, we've been talking about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So if the microbes in the gut that are feeding on the healthy carbs are making alcohol, does that alcohol get in your bloodstream? Yep. Does yeah. it go to the liver? It does. Yeah. 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 It reminds me of, anyway, a great lecture. And he was talking about the examples of someone who's just eating a regular dinner and maybe had one glass of wine or, or a, a one beer and then is over the chart on their blood alcohol content. And they're like, oh, for surely you're, you know, driving under the influence or what it might be. But it's not that it was the microbiome producing excessive alcohol you know, triggered by the excess carbs that they ingested. Right. If I said to you, here's a here's a a, a bottle of bacteria yeast and viruses. And I can't believe you're drinking out of a plastic bottle on my show. I'm not well, I'm I'm not in my home or my office, <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> but it's but, a good example. <laughs> well, I was just coughing a minute ago, and I was like, I need some water now. And so, but you know, again, okay. but if you're always doing this, it's not good. Yeah. And I drink out of a, a glass bottle, girl's time mostly. But my point is, is that if you're consuming a lot of bacteria and viruses, the question is, would would you accept that as something to eat? No, no. So then no. why is a pill of bacteria and yeast acceptable? Can you tell me? You mean a probiotic? Yes. Why is it acceptable? To reseed the destroyed or destroyed microbiome. To but that's making that. the assumption that the microbiome is good for us. I'm I'm suggesting if I was to give you... So a, this is confusing because when what we look at with low cases of cancer, low cases of infertility, you know, all the metabolic syndromes of the, you know, developed Western world. When we look at tra some traditional tribes and cultures, we see a very diverse, the diversity in the microbiome is associated with less disease. And you, the reason is because, okay, so if you're sick in most of your bowels, what is the, you have some pathologic pathogenic bacteria and yeast that have grown, correct? Right, right. Okay. So those same bacteria and yeast are actually even your normal bacteria and yeast, but they're proliferating because you're damaging your bowels because you're feeding them sugar. So you see, it's just like the cholesterol scenario, right? And being obese as the cause of disease. We doctors, see, we read scientific journals based on assumptions and then we take them as fact, but they're not. What I'm suggesting is bacteria, yeast, and viruses in your bloodstream are bad. They are bad in your bowels. 
but we've been convinced they're good, so you should replace them. But they're not good for you. But because we all eat a standard plant-based diet, what comes with the back, with the plants? The bacteria. Yeah. That's correct. So, but but all bacteria and yeast come from there. So when we say pathogenic, the same normal flora can also be pathogenic. Okay. So the whole point is, is that fermentation in your gut, how is it good for you? Well, it makes butyric acid. Well, it also makes heat, alcohol, aldehydes, methane, gases, correct? Yes. So you're you're saying, well, this is good and this is bad. I question everything in science. Yeah. I question everything we say, even in even in our healthy world of keto carnivore and and naturopathic medicine, because if that were true, where's the studies? Yeah. Well, they're all fostered by the companies that actually sell the probiotics. Okay, so if you're healthy and I measure your microbes, now I'm going to create a story. Well, they must be the healthy microbes. And if I find you're sick and I find a lot of bad bacteria, I'm going to blame the bad bacteria. Well, and this is the the like the thought of okay, where we went, the pendulum swung the entire other way for the last few decades, and antibiotics, 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 killing it all off, and that didn't get us anywhere. Well, but then we're blaming the bacteria again. But what do we feed everyone? That we're feeding them a plant based diet. You know what we feed people in the hospitals? Yeah, I know. It's, it's all plant based. It's plant based. Carb, the, high carb. Well, I use the word plants. Because a high plant-based diet is, is really the thing that we need to tell our community. Because the fruit, fiber, vegetable seeds, and nuts, I mean, people are allergic to those things, and they will die of anaphylactic reactions. My daughter would die from a banana and an avocado. But those are healthy for us, right? Because no one has an anaphylactic reaction to a simple teaspoon of white sugar. Because the majority of the antigens are removed. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a, it's a story that is hard to believe. Yeah. Fascinating so, way to think about it. Because we can live without ever eating a plant, correct? Yes. Okay. So there are no essential carbohydrates to eat, meaning there are no essential plants to eat, right? Correct. So they're essential fatty acids and amino acids. But we do know that a-, a And vitamins and- well, well, I'm not even going to the vitamins part of it because most cultures that eat a fatty meat diet have no mineral and vitamin deficiencies. They all have it when they're eating a high plant-based, low-fat diet and so and a non-meat meat diet. So when we step back and just look at our culture, and there's a lot of dictatorial nature to science and medicine. And so even us, even me, like when I talk about the fact that glucose is not your energy, I'm chastised. Mm -hmm. But we know that fat, if you don't eat for a month, are you going to lose sugar or lose fat? fat? So then how is sugar your energy? Yeah. Right. And then type one diabetics, they're fat or skinny. Right. They, they become skinny, right? Mm -hmm. Type one diabetics. Yeah. I mean, they they, you no definitely insulin. have both, right? Well, well, we're definitely have obese, but they're the obese patient is that has no insulin in their body and doesn't, if they will eventually just lose fat, they'll become skinny if they're not treated with insulin. Many type twos are treated with insulin. That doesn't make them a type one. A type right, one right. cannot make insulin. They become skinny. 
a liver failure patient becomes skinny, even though they have elevated glucose levels and elevated insulin levels, because the liver is the source to make fat. And without fat, which contains cholesterol and the critical components to make your normal hormones, you know, we've been taught don't eat that. So the glycation, again, mostly glycation, plus also the plants contain estrogen and progesterone, correct? Where did the birth control pill come from? Yams, right? So everyone's eating excess estrogen and progesterones in a plant source. Is that different than eating it from a drug pill source? It's not in isolation. So it is, I would beg to say it is different because it's not in isolation and things in isolation don't exist in nature. Well, 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 my point a little bit is the estrogen and progesterones in a high amount from the plants can equally be harmful. Can be a hormone disruptor. Correct. Because they make endocrine hormone disruptors and neuro neurotransmitter disruptors. So again, what I'm suggesting is that this is why I think the carnivore space is the healing space, the really the elimination space. But many people do great on keto and paleo and adding the fat, but some people don't get healed enough and they have to really get to the, the elimination and then add back some of these things potentially. Yeah. But uh, the the function of the body, I called it a Ferrari. My TEDx talk was called the human Ferrari. We are the most expensive, valuable, and irreplaceable entities of the universe. But we treat ourselves like amusement parks, Yugos, and pigs, cows, and sheep. And so that's why it's so critical to, you got to care for this. Yes. If you don't care for this, you can't care for anyone else. And my sister died of diabetes at age 52. My best friend, Dave, medical school died at 52 of lymphoma. Sarah Holberg died at about 50 of lung cancer. I asked the question, why? Because I believe the exposure of plant antigens and the microbes that ferment in our gut and destroy the glycobiome is the leading cause of all disease, which is, again, name it, cancer, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, uh, premature menopause, uh, ovarian dysfunction, sperm abnormalities, male and female sexual dysfunction, depression, anxiety, ADHD, suicidality, and criminality are all related to inflammatory processes that happen in every single nook and cranny of our body. And I mean, I would argue, argue that the, you know, what the plants are treated with, right? What they're sprayed with, what pesticides, herbicides, et cetera, that are part of, of that are ingested with that to compound the effect that what you're talking about. So now you're creating it's, the it's, perfect storm, that erosion, right? That erosion process. But 99.9% .9 of actual pesticides are made by plants. And that's the part we need to realize that if you're not getting better and you're still sick, the going carnivore is likely the best place to go. And it's, again, it eliminates. Like you said, it's a healing. 
that Cycle. allows, because you may, you said it, it allows the healing to take place. I did a five-day fast in January. I never felt better. I do typically one meal a day at night. I do a two-day fast once a week, a three-day fast once a month. And I'm going to do a two-day, a two-five-day fast a year. But I pretty much, I drink water. I eat steak. I eat some butter. I make some ice cream from time to time. But I'll have some French fries. And again, find the thing. It it has some 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 saponins and a solanase uh, and has oxalates, which can damage my body. But if I have too much, I know it. But if I have a little bit here and there, and that's why a little bit of fruit or honey or vegetables in a day with fat. See, 60 to, I say 80% of your calories should come from fat because the reason you see amino acids and simple sugars go to the liver and insulin goes to the liver. Why does all the blood flow from the GI tract go to the liver? The liver's function is to, to convert amino acids and sugars via insulin to fat. No one eats fat. Fat in our, in our standard American diet doesn't exist. When you eat fat, it goes to the lymphatics. It doesn't go to the liver. It goes to the lymphatics because it's the fuel your body wants and doesn't need to convert it to anything. And so it's, again, my ideas are a little not the norm. Well, you're not, you're also not doing it in isolation because I know I, you probably have experienced, I know I have in, in the carnivore space or in the keto space that works for a while, then it stops or the weight gain starts or different things. So it's not in isolation. You're doing it with meditation you're doing oh. with, you know, lifestyle practices and sleep. And I call those the alkalinizing practices, well, the, you know, yes, supportive, yes. you're addressing cortisol because cortisol is the key that unlocks the gate. When you've got more cortisol, you are breaking down exponentially as cat, right? We know that's catabolic. So it's, it's not an isolation. Your carnivore diet is not an isolation of these lifestyle cortisol lowering alkalinizing uh, practices. Yes, but for 20 years, I was doing meditation, yoga, prayer, yeah. and doing many of these other things. It was carnivore, and I've been doing it for 12 years, that changed it. So, so again, it, it's... It, Do you ever fast, flex out of carnivore? Do you ever, you know, have a feast day or, you know, no, bump out of ketosis? I don't measure anything. Yeah. I don't measure ketones. I don't measure my scale. I don't measure glucose levels. I don't measure anything. And the same with your patients who are over 40 coming in for fertility, you're switching them to this, but you are measuring, you're doing measurements there. And then how you're saying, okay, stay on this for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, but with I these tell, practices you know, or. So, so many women over 40 on paleo and keto keto is better than paleo because it gives an explanation they can measure it scientifically so i think that helps a little bit um, i think they're very neck and neck personally but i tell everyone that this is the lifestyle the life plan again it's again i was a i was a standard eater forever and then i was a paleo eater and then i was a keto eater but i personally know that if I have some extra fries, I feel it. I do a martini once in a while, maybe once a month. And I notice it a little bit. It doesn't linger for days. It's just like the next day, it's like, mm, okay. But, you know, we drive cars, they're deadly. I fly planes, they're deadly. You know, we, we do things that are dangerous. So to say, listen, you've got to pick what's right for you. Yeah. If you have something that's going wrong and you want to fix it, fasting, fat, 
add more fat, simplify the carbs, minimize them and or eliminate them. And, and, and meditation and prayer and visualization, these are all things that help. And But what you share, because many of the finding a, a green something that will help you, which may be an herbal medicine, which is likely anti-inflammatory, which I think that's what you're getting more than anything. Yeah. 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 The work on all the inflammatory pathways, cytokine and interleukin pathways and supporting it from that aspect, you know, to reduce the inflammation that is definitely a big part of it. So, so this like restoring ovarian functions, we say ovarian function is that marker of longevity. The longer we can keep it, like don't, don't beg for early menopause folks. Like we want to maintain our ovarian function. And you're saying that like with this low inflammatory carnivore style diet, you're affecting the, you're doing repair work. I mean, this is like major repair. I'm taking you into, you know, full on repair. The biggest thing is you're removing the toxic components of the nutrition, the diet. By removing it, your, your, your body is saying, oh my God, thank you. You got rid of the toxins. See, all diseases are mostly reactions to toxic inflammatory foods. That is it. You, you know, there isn't like you have thyroid disease and adrenal disease and you have arthritis or bowel problems. They're not separate. They're just happen to be in your case. For some reason, you have a genetic environmental predisposition to that damage. But why you, that's the mystery that we don't really know that. But yeah, if everyone and anyone can do this, you reduce inflammation, you improve the blood flow. See, 98% of our vessels are capillaries. They're like the, they're like the, the diameter of a blood cell, okay? And so when those get damaged, they shrink down, they, they close up. You can't get blood to your endocrine organs. You can't get blood to your ovaries and testicles. You can't make the estrogen progesterone. And also the plant estrogen and progestins, they are not normal. So when they bind to a uh, any receptor, receptor. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, it's not, it may be turning it off or maybe making it hyper. So again, we have to think that the, the glycans or the, the proteoglycans or the glycolipoproteins aren't the same as us. And if we're, you know, did we evolve on a plant, I'm sorry, an animal-based diet or a plant-based diet? We can argue that to the- We can, know, and what animals ate, you know, then we're eating their plant food, right, that they were eating. And- so this is interesting, Robert, because, you know, we think about, you know, a lot of the histamine reactions that are having, and if for some people, red meat is going to trigger a histamine reaction. So how do you, like, how do you deal with that? Well, number one, everything you eat, drink, breathe, brings in foreign antigens that will react in your body. You can never stop that. There's always going to be some antigenic component of a anything that comes in your body. So viruses, bacteria, yeast, and other mammals have different barcodes of glycans, like your blood type. What's your blood type? A, B, A, B, or O. Well, those are glycoproteins that signal who you are. Well, a virus has a different glycobiome than you. You react to it. Bacteria and yeast do too. So some animals 
They all have different ones. So red meat may be more antigenic for some than others. Mm. Cows, sheep, uh, bison, elk. You got to find the one that's least antigenic. Fat reduces inflammation in your bowels. Have you ever noticed that butter never molds? But yeah, (laughs) one of the things too is that the that what we eat ate is going to affect us too. So when you're eating your carnivore plan, are you eating grass fed, grass finished, or does it really matter for you? I don't. I think the scheme of the the it's small. Okay. Okay. So we would love to see free range grass fed uh, cows and sheep and and, and herbivores because that brings the sustainability of the world back. Mm -hmm. Right. We've we we bulldoze all the nature natural habitat for the animals and we've we're growing grains and all sorts of fruits and vegetables for everyone. We're shipping them around the world and saying this is healthy. It's it's propaganda. That's all it is. But yes, you're right. For some people, they will have more of a reaction to grain fed, some even grass fed, by the way, because it depends on the grass. And some people are allergic to one grass over another. So, so amazing. So amazing. Really, like we just recently, not too long ago, had hazelnut fed beef. And uh, that was amazing. You know, so give us a story. Walk me through a patient story in your practice that had come in, you know, same thing, failed fertility treatment. And you approach her. Like, How is your clinic different? Like, what is your unique Well, we protocol? like to approach everyone the same as their beautiful, perfect, amazing human beings with respect and dignity, number one. Number two is the stories are similar, okay? And and once again, remember, we've been taught that the diseases are all different in their cause, but they're not. They're all similar, all right? But it's hard to believe. And so I like to listen to their stories. I talked to a gal today, 39, trying for eight years, has regular cycles, her tubes are open, her husband's sperm is great, and no medical issues. And she's never been pregnant on her own. So what's the cause? Most would say unexplained, idiopathic. I call it inflammatory. And 99.9% of the inflammations are caused by a plant-based low animal fat diet and eating three to six meals a day. But that's a hard one to believe. And I say, okay, well, we'll look at your AMH level. And usually it's in the point of anti-malarian hormone, which is a marker of your likelihood of pregnancy and or your ovarian reserve. Now that's controversial because I see women with a 0.2, very low AMH get pregnant on their own, um, What's and, an optimal and, number for AMH? Well, 1.5 to 3. But but again, as it goes higher, it's more indicative of metabolic syndrome, PCOS, which is a plant-based disorder, high plant-based, low animal fat diet, I say. And that's okay. Well, how do we heal that? Well, you want to visualize it. You imagine it as if it is. And I ask everyone, do they believe in God? Are they religious or spiritual? Many people say, no, I don't believe in God, but I'm spiritual. And I say, well, isn't that the same as God? Because isn't the spirit of the universe the same? And we kind of go into fun conversations because I believe that we have to understand 
each and every human being where they're coming from. For some, God and their, their religious beliefs are very critical. So how do we meld these nutritional plans into their, whether they're Muslim or they're Jewish or Christian or Hindu, because we talk about these things. And then, well, you know, I, I talk about, okay, well, you know, what are the things that we can do? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to donor eggs or adoption? Uh, oh, we don't want to do those. Okay, well then, what can we do to work on you to improve your egg environment, your husband's sperm environment? And and because even with low numbers that people say, oh, you never get pregnant, I see it happen all the time. Yeah. Keto carnivore. And I see keto and carnivore because, you know, carnivore is meat only, technically, and, and keto is whatever you want. But it's a higher fat diet. But the problem is most people don't still do a high fat diet when it comes to keto because they're, they just don't understand what I mean by high fat. And that fat's explain, yeah. That, that so, you know, 80% of your calories in fat, but I usually say a one-to-one protein to fat is a good way. What one portion of fat and then maybe the protein carbs are, are make up the other 50%, but eat less frequently is the critical, critical. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, Intermittent fasting, you know, two meals and, a day, sometimes one, sometimes three. So, but when you, so like, I, what does that plate look like? Like, what is that fat? Like, what would be a dinner? Say well, you're going out to a restaurant. I, I get a ribeye steak with butter on it all the time. And I make sure it's black and blue. I often will take, I take all the grease from the pan and pour it back on. Most restaurants don't do that because they might. They, so if you're going to cook it, you want the, the heat above it so that you have a pan below to catch the fat. If you have the heat below and it's not a pan, you're going to lose all the fat. See, likely we evolved eating a lot of raw fat, I bet, because that was the critical part. If you eat the brain, you're eating mostly fat. And if you think about it, what is every cell of your body mostly made of? Fat. Fat. The membranes of the outer membrane, the nuclear membrane, the mitochondrial membrane, all the membranes, including the red cell, white cell membranes are made of Fat. So really you're eating even plant cells, by the way, made of fat. That's the interesting part. But um, I, you know, I tell people focus on like bacon, eggs, butter, beef. I tell them you could have my ice cream from time to time, but it's a treat, not your all the time because life, you, you, this isn't meant to be painful. It's meant to be joyful. Yeah. And if you could find some joy in a little bit of ice cream with it's all fat. It's eggs, a little bit of vanilla bean. And yes, I occasionally put in white sugar because if you're eating grass and grains, if you're eating fruits and vegetables. You guys can find his ice cream recipe on his Instagram, on his website. Well, in his book, he's well known for it. So he's, I've seen you make that. Awesome it's fun. It's, it's yeah. fun. Listen, you, whether you're- Gotta have fun with that. I mean, I think that's, that's it, right? I always say it's 10% fasting, 80% keto green for me and 10% feasting. So there's that flex, there's that flexibility. But then again, when you're dealing with something like infertility, cancer, heart disease, the diagnosis, inflammatory markers, you gotta be, you know, I mean, really look at all the modalities. And I mean, I'm in agreement with what you're saying too. And it's like, we have to work on those healing pathways, heal the cell membrane. That is the first line of defense. Huge. The glycobiome you want to heal. See, the glycobiome is damaged by high sugar, high protein, low fat. So in your keto greens, you're doing your keto is high fat. So that's why vegan, vegetarians, Mediterraneans can do keto. And I share that with everyone, by the way, because I get a 
come to you where you're at and what you would do. Because yeah. if I only take care of carnivores, like there's like 10%, 5% of people, maybe, right, right, maybe. less. Right. So it really is incredible, important to understand high fat reduces inflammation. And what do you tell the vegetarians, like if they're vegetarian for, like if they're oh. Hindi or if they're just ethically opposed? And that's a, that's a tough one. Well, I teach them how to do it because as a vegetarian, egg, cream, butter, cheese, egg, butter, cheese, I think I got all that, and and a ghee. Again, it's butter, cream. Unless they're a vegan and they're not. Well, well, the vegans, but the vegans, coconut oil, olive oil, but Mm -hmm. the same thing. You want to focus on eating more fat. That's right. But if you fast, oh, Amazing. So you see, that's why fasting is so healing. Okay. I'm on my 40, I'm well, I'm on my 40 days of meat, salt, water, and one meal a day. All right. So today for me starts Lent. So it's 40 days of Lent. I started and, yesterday because okay. I didn't I did not want to pig out yesterday. I said, you don't no, do I'm, the fat Tuesday. It was my I know, granddaughter's but, but birthday. I had a huge plate of fries in front of me with with uh, my guy I went to, to dinner with and, and a friend, and uh it was I didn't touch him. Uh, I didn't have a glass of wine, didn't have my martini, but I think, see, fasting is spiritually strengthening. Right. It says, I can do anything. And again, vegan vegetarians can do- I can make those hard choices. I can set those hard boundaries. I can do the hard things that are going to work for me, not against me. I agree. I think that is, you know, why it's such an integral part of of my life as well. And so I, um, yeah, so I, I think that that's beautiful. I'm fasting for dinners this uh, Lent. So I don't want to eat anything after four or five o'clock. So really yeah, bringing that up, but like a good Mediterranean lunch, but fasting dinners instead of fasting breakfast. And for me, it's typically two meals a day, sometimes less, sometimes mostly yeah, one or two meals a day now. But I think that's, that's part of just being flexible, changing things up to say, okay, I'm kind of stuck in this rut, what do I need to do next? What challenge? And have you done any dry fasting? Um, I've done a day or two, uh, but you know, mostly I drink the water. I drink salt water, uh, mineral water. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it matters so much. I, when I'm fasting, I love to put salt in my tongue yeah. and that helps a lot, helps a lot. But I think, you know, look at the beauty of the problem with most animals don't eat variety, by the way. Most animals eat the same thing. See, variety is deadly. You can't have boyfriends and girlfriends on the side of your partner. It doesn't work. And that's one of the, the challenges I say, well, you want variety, but that's part of the death nail in the coffin, essentially, for many people. Well, I want variety. I need it. Well, that's where the antigens show up. They show up in this sneaky um, especially- well, but then you have the absolute opposite where people are only able to eat like lettuce or only able to eat these few handfuls. So we have to go through that healing, oh. that retraining and that tolerance. And when you, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's extremes to all this. And it, uh, look, I'm not talking about in, in the, in the healing part of the yeah. part. I'm just, I, what I'm saying is in a general global part, yeah. no animal gets variety. Variety is an amusement park. You live in a temple. So you find the few five or 10 things you that you... Well, rather than seasonal varieties, I mean, you have your natural seasonal der- der- varieties well, in the animal kingdom too. Well, uh, maybe a, a, a cow versus an antelope. 
But what, again, I'm throwing a concept. That, yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, 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 you know how I am. <laughs> I'm 67. Like you, going to question everything. <laughs> right, I'm 67. I question it all. All right. I'm a Mediterranean Italian. Okay. So I lived it until 55 when I, when I change it and it was like, boom, everything went away. Okay. That's amazing. So my friend died at 52. He was the healthiest guy I've ever known. So the problem with plants is they're predatorially sneaky and silent and they will cause cancer and they're silent for years before it then takes you down. That's my story again. Yeah. yeah. But if you're, but again, each of us chooses our lives, but if you want to know the cause of disease, I will tell you simply, it's a plant-based low animal fat diet and eating three to six meals a day, which is not the very best for us. So tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and connect with you and get your ice cream recipe. And <laughs> so don't follow kilts, just call Dr. Kilts and go to drkilts.com. I have fun with this and you want to have fun with it. I'm not hardcore in the sense of you better not do that. And, uh, but just well, go to you've Dr. Lived, you've, you've been like, there's times, especially when you're like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. you're vigilant, you're hypervigilant and you're like, oh, you know, this is. This is the thing that worked for me. I mean, I definitely found that in my own journey. It's like works. Okay. Then something stops working. We need to take a sidestep and then come back to it. But, you know, so it's like, you know, I think that it's important to share. It's important to share and then to question, just like what we're discussing today. I always tell my audience, you know, take what resonates, leave what doesn't, but, you know, ask, try. Yeah. You're not going, nothing like we said is going to hurt you. And, and, and what if it helps you? What if it's your next right step? I grew so. up in Los Angeles, migraines, bowel problems, uh, couldn't read. I was kicked out of school because it was in a gang and we, we committed a robbery, not a robbery. It was a vandalism with a, wow. a bunch of, I don't know if of, I can talk to you anymore now. <laughs> well, well, but what I can tell you is as an adolescent preteen, my parents were not vigilant and because I couldn't read because I was bullied by, you know, again, we can go and find lots of stories why I'm not proud of it, but I'm proud that I was able to get the mentors that helped me through yeah. it. Yeah, and, exactly. but then I developed all the diseases mm-hmm. and, and I know the cause even, even I will go back and tell you my criminality and my other problems were secondary to a plant-based diet. Well, and it's like in Detroit, Michigan, the the crime rate, the you know anger, all of that is lead. I mean, we have the lead base, the high lead, and so you know if we're creating, you know we're hurting our machinery by many of the environmental toxins that that we're exposed to that also create gateways and lack of defense for other you know. But we're taught that it's healthy for us. And that's the problem. We are taught that fiber is good. Fruits and vegetables are good. And cereals are good. Well, that fiber decreases your colon cancer and helps with But again, like in the carnivore, it's low fiber and you can improve well, your well, bowel function. But, but, but remember, fiber in the gut makes alcohol, okay. methane and heat and gas. Would you put steel wool in your bowels? No. Fiber. So again, I too was taught that and believe that. Uh, Burkett, a Burkitt's lymphoma wrote a story because he believed it, but I don't, it's not true. And Paul Mason did a really good talk on, on fiber and how GERD bleeding, everything goes away. And so again, I think simple sugars are better for you than complex sugars, but it's opposite. 
That's the trouble. Yeah. And then when it's opposite of what we've heard, you know, what's our general general approach, right? We we in medicine have been taught, well, I can tell you why I believe that, but it took me a while to figure it out. Yeah, no, and it's work. You see it work in your patients. You see it work in your life. I you see know? it work everywhere. And yeah. that's the, the difference because I believe the propaganda of marketers that are making money on, on a plant-based, high plant-based, low animal fat diet. And then between all the, I mean, Warren Buffett sells Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Is that good for our children or yeah. adults? We know it's not. Right. And, you know, we're pushing a plant-based world that's taking, basically making, you know, a, a fake meat, which is made out of plants, which is all what? Sugar. It's all sugar. And so my passion is after I see too many people dying, young and sick, yeah. as a fertility doctor, I see the change. And I'm compelled because I decided to be a doctor to help people. The only way to do that is to do it online. Yeah. To reach more people and to yeah. keep spreading the word. And thank you for what you're doing. I so appreciate you and appreciate the work you're doing in, in infertility and in lifestyle. And thank you for sharing your keto carnivore lifestyle with us and, and you know, the multi-dimensions of that. So I appreciate your perspective and that you do bring in Eastern and meditation and prayer and all these and fasting, such critical components. Like we cannot take one without the other. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in the future. <laughs> we'll have a lot yeah, more to, to talk about. I know we could spend hours. Thank you, oh, Dr. Robert Kiltz, you guys. Dr. Kiltz, um, just Google him, follow him on Instagram and check out his website, everyone. Thank you for being here today. And thank you again. This has been an interesting conversation and we go can go steep into one avenue or look at it as worth a try. Let's try keto carnivore for some time together. But the principles are the same that I've been sharing with you. The concept of keto green with intermittent fasting, no more snacking, low carbohydrate, you know, eliminating the, you know, eliminating sugars, eliminating the unnecessary sugars and healing the gut, healing the GI tract. I will say men and women are different, but there's different stages of healing. And I still am um, passionate, passionate about the uh, importance of fat in our diet for our hormone production. So Dr. Kiltz really emphasized that as well in his fertility practice, that piece, making sure that we are getting enough fat in our diets and, and high quality protein. And it does matter what our food was treated with, sprayed with, what we eat, ate, those things do matter, but don't let that hang you up or keep you from pursuing, you know, pursuing the lifestyle that best suits your physiology, your stage of life and your goals. So I'm here along the journey with you and I look forward to next time. Thank you for being here.